Well, when I was a kid, we were, we were raised to always pray before our meals. I thought it was just something that all Americans were supposed to do. And since we were a Lutheran family, we always prayed Luther's common table prayer. Anyone know what that is? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Now, I like to be honest and real with y'all all the time, whether I'm in this robe or not. Most of the time, I didn't really pay attention to that little prayer. Just, I mean, when you're a kid, and you've got the food on the table before you, and growing up in New Orleans, we had some really good food on the table. I mean, to sit there with your eyes closed, reciting a memorized prayer when the rich aroma of mom's garlicky, buttery, barbecued shrimp was just filling our nostrils, and not knowing if your brothers were praying or if they were already taking some, it was hard for me to focus on that little prayer. And this is being recorded, and Mom's listening, or she will be. Sorry, Mom. You know, there are, there are other prayers like that as well. We've memorized them. We, we pray them so often that they don't really have meaning to us anymore. And let's be honest, the Lord's Prayer can be that way. I mean, every, every Sunday, we pray the Lord's Prayer. And since we pray it all the time, we can forget its, its rich meaning. And, you know, actually, if, if we look at what Jesus tells his disciples in this passage of Scripture that Jared read to us, he never specifically tells them to pray those words. He didn't call it the Lord's Prayer. That's what somebody else called it, and it stuck. But if we're going to take a look at what we call the Lord's Prayer, I think we have to go back to where Jesus really starts talking about prayer in this Sermon on the Mount, and that's in uh, verse 5 of Matthew 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn back and look back at, at verse 5. Jesus is talking about prayer, and he, and he says, don't, when you pray, don't do this. He says, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so they may be seen by everybody. Some people want everybody to know that they're praying. Some people want everybody to know how spiritual they are. And they make a big spectacle of it. Jesus said, don't do that. He said, some people are real showy about how they pray. They're full of emotion so that everyone will pay attention to them. Don't be like that when you pray, Jesus says. And then Jesus goes on, he says, and also, don't be like those folks that, and, and, and this is in verse 7. He says, don't heap up empty phrases as the, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. He says, don't just babble on and on and on in your prayer like, like the followers of other religions do. He says, you know, those folks just repeat phrases over and over and over as if that's trying to get their God's attention. Don't do that, he said. Just talk. 
You don't have to try to get God's attention. He's right there. You know, sometimes we mistakenly think that if we pray the right words at the right time in the right location, that it's somehow going to magically make God answer our prayers. Like some Harry Potter spell or something. You say the right words. Okay, now something's got to happen. That's trying to manipulate God. We don't do that. God, I got on my knees to pray. I folded my hands, I closed my eyes. So you have to do what I want you to do. That's trying to put us in charge of God. We can't do that when we pray. So then we get to verse 9. And Jesus said, don't do that. Instead, pray something like this. And he gives us an example. And that's when we get the words of what we call the Lord's Prayer. You know, I think when, we, when we're talking about the Lord's Prayer, I think we need to step back and just ask a basic question. What is prayer? That's a pretty basic question, isn't it? I think when we think about what prayer is, it's a conversation. It's a conversation that we have with God. It's, it's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. You know, sometimes we go before God in prayer and we do all the talking. Have you ever known somebody like that? They don't talk with you, they talk at you. They just don't stop talking. It's like, my goodness, I would like to say something, but they just keep talking. Prayer ought to be a dialogue. It's important for us to listen with the ears of our heart to what God wants to say to us when we pray. And then I guess there's another question here. If we know what prayer is, why do we pray? I mean, what, what's the big deal? I mean, after all, even in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8... Jesus says that God knows what we're going to pray even before we pray it. So, in my twisted, logical mind, if that's the case, if God knows what I'm going to pray before I'm going to pray it, why, should, why in the world should I go through all the hassle of praying if God already knows what I'm going to say? It's like, okay, God, I want to pray for this, but you already know what it is, so Go. What's the point if God already knows what we're going to pray? You know, over the years I've learned that when we take the time to talk with God, not just talk at God, but talk with God, when we do that, God honors that effort that we take when we pray. God blesses that prayerful sacrifice that we offer to him. When we take the time out of our day and talk with God, God honors that. I mean, just as Jesus left heaven and he lowered himself to become one of us, in prayer, God, in a certain sense, lowers himself to hear our petitions on behalf of others. And God knows the passion of our hearts in the midst of our prayers. 
God may certainly know what we're going to pray before we pray it. But the effort that we take in prayer and the faith that we bring to our prayers are ours. So this blending of the, of, of the divine and the human elements in prayer is what makes prayer such a powerful element in our walk with God. You know, some people talk about the power of prayer. Have you heard that phrase? I'd like to change one little word in that phrase if we could. I don't think it's necessarily the power of our prayers, but it's the power in our prayers. See, our prayers don't have power, but the one who hears our prayers does. There's power in our prayers because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's power there. Because we are talking with the creator of the universe. And he has interest in our lives. He wants, to, he wants us to spend time with him. Well, why don't we take a look at a few aspects of how Jesus tells us to pray. Because it's in our scripture. So turn with me to Matthew, uh, if you haven't already. Jesus says, well then, pray this way. Address our prayers to our Father in heaven. That doesn't seem very interesting. I mean, talk about our Heavenly Father, but think about this. We're told to pray not to an impersonal deity, but to our Heavenly Father. Not just some abstract, random God, but our Heavenly Father. Again, think about that, about that term, Heavenly Father. It's a blending of the divine and human aspects of prayer. We're to love God like a loving father. But we're reminded that God is also majestic. He's high. He's lifted up. So we must have utmost respect for him. And then Jesus says, you know, our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. That's what he basically says. Hallowed be thy name. Like when I was growing up, what in the world does that mean? It means may your name be honored. May your name be holy. See, a person's name is their reputation. And so he's saying in this prayer, we should pray that we don't hurt God's reputation by how we live our lives. May we live our lives in a way that brings honor to God's name. And then he says, he says, you know, this phrase, give us today our daily bread. Now, this is the only time in the Bible where we see that phrase, daily bread. It's the only time. Jesus says to ask God when we pray for what we need today. Not tomorrow. Not next month. Today. We should focus on today, trusting that God will take care of us tomorrow. Remember in Sunday school when you were a little kid, you learned that God gave the Israelites manna to eat in the wilderness? Remember that? I love how the Bible tries to describe this. 
It was a flaky substance like frost on the ground. It appeared every morning, and they'd gather it up, they'd cook it, they'd eat it, but it would dissolve by the end of the day. It had a very short shelf life. The people of Israel had no idea what it was. In fact, the word manna means, what is this? That's what manna means. So think about this. For an entire generation, God's people lived one day at a time, never worrying about what they needed for tomorrow. Because God always provided manna to eat. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that they got tired of eating this, this stuff. How would you like to eat something for 40 years and you didn't even know what it was? What is this stuff? But it's what they needed. It was their daily bread, and Jesus is reminding us of that in this prayer. Then Jesus says a model prayer should also deal with not what we need from God physically, that daily bread, but what we need spiritually. He says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. See, Jesus is actually making an assumption here. The assumption is that we're already forgiving people who have sinned against us. Listen to me. If you haven't forgiven someone for the wrongs that they've done to you, if you're holding that grudge, and you think you're going to hang on to it because they need to come to you first. You're allowing the cancer of bitterness to spread all throughout your heart. You're allowing that person's hurtful actions to control you. Why would you want to do that to yourself? I mean, even as he was enduring the, the torture of being crucified, Jesus asked God to forgive the soldiers because deep down he knew that they didn't know what they were doing. Then Jesus says, you know, when you pray, pray about temptation. Lead us not into temptation. This always confused me. Why do we have to pray against God leading us into temptation? Is that something God likes to do on a regular basis? Lord, don't lead us into temptation like he was going to if you didn't pray it. Why do we have to ask God not to lead us into temptation? Actually, what Jesus is saying, pray that God will keep us strong so that we don't give in to temptation. That's a big difference. Lord, keep us from giving in to our temptations. See, temptations are all around us. You're tempted right now to check and see what time it is so you can get to lunch. I see it on your faces. Sometimes we're tempted to want to impress everybody by how wonderful we are. Sometimes we're tempted to visit internet sites where Christians should never go. Sometimes we're tempted to skip worship because we're just too tired. 
Listen to me. As followers of Jesus, we don't have to give in to those temptations. Because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We're strong enough because of the Spirit living in us to withstand any temptation that comes our way. The devil's real, but he can't make you do anything. Not when God lives inside of you. And see, this not giving in to temptation is a deliverance from evil. The power of God inside of you can do that. We can't do that on our own. We're not strong enough. So when we pray this, we're reminding ourselves that the power in our lives comes from God and not from any power that we think that we have. Do I remember, I'm going to date myself here. Do I remember that old show from the 1970s called Columbo? Remember Lieutenant Lieutenant Columbo? Wasn't he a great guy? Disheveled, old-fashioned, slow-talking, drove around Beverly Hills in a beat-up car. He'd carry on conversations with these movie stars and these Hollywood producers and they thought he was just not the brightest bulb, you know? He'd make friends with them, and, you know, he'd say, okay, okay, well, I'll I'll get back to you. And then what did he do? He'd leave, oh, yeah, one more thing. Isn't it interesting that we found the murder weapon in your car? Oh. Jesus in his teaching on prayer here in the Sermon on the Mount, am I so bold as to say he has a Columbo moment? He almost does. At the end of this teaching on how to pray, it's in verse 14, it's like Jesus is saying, oh yeah, by the way. And then he nails us with it in verse 14. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive your sins. But if you don't forgive the sins of others, your Heavenly Father won't forgive your sins. That's a Columbo moment, isn't it? Jesus says this because if we only want God to forgive our sins, if we're only worried about our sins being forgiven, it's pretty selfish, isn't it? It's pretty self-centered. But forgiving the sins of other people shows love toward them, even if they don't deserve it, because none of us truly deserve God's love, do we? Forgiving the sins of others is showing love toward them because it offers them grace. It offers them a second chance, which is what God offered us. See, I think these verses that we call the Lord's Prayer, I think that in them Jesus is teaching us not necessarily to to pray these exact words, but to include these types of things in our prayers. And notice here in this model prayer how it's in contrast to the two examples of 
improper use of prayer he gives us in the verses before this. I mean, we pray to maintain a relationship with God just, just like we have conversations with others to maintain our relationships with them. I mean, if you know somebody, you get to know them by talking with them. That's why it's important to pray. And when you talk with someone, don't you want them to be sincere with you? I do. When I'm talking with you and I ask how you're doing, I really want to know. I want you to be sincere. Sometimes we talk to people and their response to us is not sincere. It's like this. It's like, it's like a parent. I love to pick on parents because I'm one. It's like, okay, little child, little daughter, have a great day. I love you. Okay, I love you too. It's like we're beckoning them to respond. I love you. I love you too. Okay, good. Now, there may be love there, but that's not a sincere response. God wants our conversations with Him to be sincere and honest. I mean, if we don't talk with someone for a long time, we lose contact with them, don't we? We, we get out of touch. I have, I have friends that, that I thought I'd be friends with for the rest of my life, and I haven't talked to them in 20 years. I have no idea what's going on with them. I see glimpses on Facebook and things, but that's not a true picture of who somebody is. God doesn't want our relationship with Him to dissolve like that. He wants it to thrive. He wants it to grow. I know you're busy throughout the week. I'm busy too, but we, we absolutely must take time to pray. Maybe it's before your feet hit the floor in the morning. And as you're in, in your groggy state, may, Lord, may my words and actions today be a witness of who you are. What a great way to start the day. Maybe you have a prayer journal in which you write or type out your prayers to God. I did that for many years. You know, you, you can open a psalm in the Bible and you can read it. Or you can open up a psalm in the Bible and you can pray it. Because most of these are prayers. You can read a prayer from a prayer book. Or you can pray the prayer in the prayer book. The difference between reading a prayer and praying a prayer is that one's for us and the other is one that we share with God. Do you see the difference between reading a prayer and praying it? Pray it. See, I guess the bottom line to all of this, and even I think what Jesus was getting at here as he was starting out the Sermon on the Mount, God wants our prayers to be more than just words. God wants our prayers to become living prayers. 
so that we don't just pray a prayer. We live a prayer. So that everything we do, every conversation we have with people, the thoughts that we have, the desires of our hearts, we live out as prayers to God. The time that we spend, are they prayerfully spent? In other words, are we communicating with God? Or do the time we have, we just spend for ourselves? To become a living prayer is a worthy life goal. Because in our entire lives is one big relationship with Jesus. Let's pray.